Hi, and thank you for tuning in to Compound Performance Radio. We're your hosts, Matt Domney and Kyle Dobbs. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoy the show. Okay. Thank you for joining us in today's episode of Compound Performance Radio. Today with us, we have Amelia Potter. Amelia, thank you for joining us today. If you want to take a moment to introduce yourself, that would be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so like you said, I'm Amelia Potter. Um, on Instagram, I'm Potts Thinks. I am a sport performance psychology coach. So I work with athletes on, you know, kind of all the aspects of their mental performance, um, you know, anything to do with optimizing performance in regards to that confidence, focus, um, you know, getting back from injuries, you know, the, the different topics it touches essentially. Um, I work with athletes from a bunch of different sports, uh, although I've kind of heavily, heavily, heavily been introduced and welcomed into the strength sport area more than anything else. So what do you think got you more into or got you more introduced to strength sports than other sports in general? I think it was a combination of things. A big part of that was interest from me in working with athletes from individual sports and the different difficulties and situations that they face in comparison to people who, you know, have teams and team cohesion and the dynamic is very different and they have more of a support system naturally around them um, and I found myself more drawn to those in individual sports um, and then you know strength sports was just something I myself was interested in and it seemed to marry t- together pretty well yeah yeah I mean as, as somebody who because I ran track and played basketball and I can definitely attest to the differences with the team dynamic versus an individual sport. And I think anyone who's, who's, and again, not, I didn't do powerlifting or, or weightlifting, but anyone who's done an individual sport, like it's, it can be frightening. Like it's all you, only you, you know, the majority of the time. And uh, within a team sport, you can kind of hide behind your teammates a little bit and blend in a little bit. And, and I think that the social aspect is a huge aspect as well. What are, so just especially with like strength sports off season to in season and you know as far as like injury rehab what are some of the the things you enjoy most about it or the the athletes or the the problems you like to solve or, and help solve the most Yeah it it's always sounds really cheesy when I ask, answer questions like this but but it actually is you know being able to see the progress mm-hmm. kind of come to fruition it's athletes coming back to me and being like wow you know I x y and z felt so much better or i I feel so much more confident in this um there are a few different areas i love working in in regards to specific issues or challenges but i think one that is always really rewarding is you know seeing an athlete's confidence Mm -hmm. kind of go through the roof from either you know what was their baseline and what was generally low or something that had previously knocked them and they've kind of started to begin building that back up um that alongside i think you know helping them get into that flow state that that high level of focus and intensity that you know you really see in those elite or even just really dedicated athletes so what's your process on getting people from 
where they are to that level, right? I'm also asking for myself because I just hired you to get through my <laughs> own squat issues. So I'm like, I, I'm taking notes so I can like get like a like a little head start on all this stuff. I'm ready to go. I, I'm yeah, also a couple yeah. hours ago. Yeah. I'm also a ball of anxiety all the time. So like, go just go on with it. Fix us on this podcast. Yeah, fix, fix us, please. <laughs> fix us, please. It's, it's that simple, you know. Um, no, I mean, you know it. Anxiety is one of those interesting things. Um, and I'm just going to address that first because I, I did actually just in all the ruckus there, forget your question, Matt. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think, like you said, Kyle, with, with being a ball of anxiety, it's something that I'm, you know, very familiar with. And I think people, um, as in, you know, personally, and I think people are surprised by that because, you know, I, they expect somebody in my line of work to be together all the time. Um, but, I think it's important to know that anxiety is there for a reason um, and it can be used to our advantage. You know, some athletes really, really thrive off of having that anxiety because it gives them that, you know, that drive and it gives them that kind of arousal to perform. Some people it's more of a hindrance, but it is there to kind of push them and build them and it can be controlled, but it's something I never... I never ever want an athlete to get rid of completely because you know it it sounds ridiculous but it stems from obviously that fight or flight response that we had you know ages and ages and years ago and without that we would you know be being eaten by tigers all the time mm -hmm. <laughs> maybe not in the gym but you know the the feeling the feelings remain um i mean especially with we with probably wouldn't be in the gym yeah, no one that. <laughs> but also, like, the people that you're dealing with in particular are, like, anybody who's squatting over body weight has the potential to have, like, well, like, benching over body weight. Like, there's a potential for, like, serious issues to occur with that if things go wrong, if anxiety is there. So, like, yeah. it's an understandable flight or flight response when people start to lift. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, people kind of always say, oh, you know, I, it always feels like I'm lifting a lot of weight and I'm nervous because I'm lifting a lot of weight. And I'm like, well, you are, you know, you're lifting a lot of weight. <laughs> you know, it's good to be aware of that. Um, absolutely. It's not something I want to work to get rid of. It's something I want to work to utilize, use it as a tool rather than trying to ignore it because it will be there. And the longer you try to ignore it, the, the more it becomes that elephant in the room that mm -hmm. you can't ignore. It's if you kind of, get it onto your tool belt, then it's something that you can utilize rather than just continuously hinder you. And yeah. that's, a, I actually had a conversation with a, with a friend of mine uh, over the weekend about, so his wasn't about anxiety related performance issues, but his was just about like just general performance in the gym, right? And one of the things that he was noticing is that if he stops exposing himself to like higher end or top end strength and he stops lifting very heavy, he's noticing that everything starts to feel worse and that his performance was just going down in general. So what he was noticing was that like his ceiling would go from like eight, like 90 to 95% in training, it would drop down to like 80 to 85%. And then like his percentages or numbers off of that would lower down and everything would get a little bit worse. So I would imagine something similar like that could happen with anxiety to a greater degree where things that are normally that would be very easy for you or normally with it well within your capabilities to complete to start becoming much more challenging and that pushes you into almost more of a detraining sense because you're just not allowing yourself to 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 express 
what you have and what you can actually do. Yeah, absolutely. And weirdly enough, before I, for a while before I kind of trained on a program, it sounds super weird, but I kind of based my training or at least kind of, you know, squats, bench, deadlift, um, around, around my anxiety and around how to optimize that in the way that I would almost, it's not optimal for, you know, potentially strength, but at the time I would work up to a heavy single, um, that wasn't necessarily like an eight or a nine, but something that I knew that the number to me was intimidating, um, almost every session so that in my mind, it's something, I'm not you know, recommending this, but this is something that I, I did. Um, in my mind that I could continuously remind myself that it's something that I could do almost as in a physical affirmation, like a physical positive affirmation that it's something that I still had and the anxiety is something that I could still work with. Um, this is, you know, a while back before I kind of learned a lot more uh, in my own training and in work, but it is really interesting how how different people approach it and you know find utilizing those percentages in the training yeah i before i before i lose it i think you know one of the books that we recommend to the majority of our clients and the people in our groups is the upside of stress by kelly mcgonnell and and this kind of relates to me with with the anxiety and how how you're kind of going on about anxiety being probably a positive thing for most mm. people, right? And, and it does mean you're pushing some kind of threshold of some sort. And, and I do think, you know, even what you're saying with your training, as far as pushing a weight that made you uncomfortable, you know, every time you train, not again, not, not inherently dangerous, but just made you uncomfortable is probably a lot of people, people could probably actually do really well with that advice as far yeah. as just like accumulate exposures, you know, from, from a psychological perspective, like that's how we accommodate any kind of stressor, right? As we, we face it, we confront it, we overcome it, and then we build upon it. And that's kind of the, I mean, that's the impotence of progressive overload from a physiological perspective. And from a psychological perspective, it's not that much different, right? One of the, the stories I tell people that I work with is like, one of my best friends was a paratrooper in the military. And when I knew him in high school, he was deathly scared of heights. And he interesting up, job selection. And, well, he, he <laughs> went into special forces and then got selected into the paratrooping team. And I mean, the guy ended up just like jumping out of planes, literally 365 days a year for almost a decade, you know, at that point, and, wow. and not just doing that, but into like combat zones, right, you know, just into dangerous stuff into water at night, whatever. And now he goes, skydiving like on a weekly basis because it's fun for him you know now and it's it's just like yeah. you can see these things change over time with positive yeah. exposures and i think it's important for people to understand that you can't just always stop at discomfort because you probably won't get anywhere otherwise yeah and what's absolutely crazy is that you know which proves how powerful the mind is that somebody can have that kind of knowledge of Oh, six weeks ago, this was my one rep max, for example, mm. and now I'm repping it. And yet their current one rep max to them is still fearful, uh, a kind of that scary place where they probably know in X amount of time, that number will be the one that they're repping and, and it will change. So it's kind of saying and suggesting, well, is it the number that is you know actually what's creating the anxiety here? Or is it the prospect of being near to that 
that threshold of actually I'm going to find out how strong I actually am. Yeah, it's um, it's such an interesting concept. And, and I mean, even looking at th- this is one of the things I enjoyed the most about my psychology work is trying to figure out kind of the the relationship between psychology and, physio- and, and physiological outputs, right? And understanding that, you know, things like anxiety and, and a lot of things like they're at the base of it, a lot of it is it's neurotransmitters, right? There There is a physiological process that is correlated with these emotions. And and I think that's something that I haven't seen a lot of really good research on it because it is highly individualized. But I think like that would be amazing to be able to start correlating those things and just understanding how different people are going to bias outputs based on emotions, you know, and kind of some of these feelings. It's like I'm someone who does terrible under anxiety. Like it was definitely not a performance it was it was a performance inhibitor for me like i did not do well with it like i didn't do well if i didn't have confidence in what i was doing so uh but i knew people who did like meet those challenges and overcome them all the time and that was always frustrating to me as an athlete like that was one of the things that really held me back personally yeah and that's kind of a place that i like to work on with my athletes with because i you know i have people like your friend who who kind of thrives under that anxiety and that pressure. And then I have athletes like yourself who, you know, it's, it's not where you thrive, you struggle a bit more in that kind of scenario. And it's finding a place that might look the same from the outside, but to those individual athletes is very, very different. And, you know, helping someone who a bit more like you does, does struggle with that kind of pressure or the anxiety and performance, everything like that. And finding a way to manage that so that maybe knowing that anxiety isn't gone completely but you're using tools to optimize how you're performing based on you know the neurotransmitters the emotions the the physical reality of everything um compared to somebody who thrives in it and is going to really use that as the driving force of of their performance I just needed you 20 years ago when you were in like elementary school. <laughs> no, I, was, I would have been five. Pro- problems are solved. Like when you, when you were in kindergarten, I could have really used you in my corner back then. You know what they say, Kyle, the best two times to solve a problem are 10 years ago and right now. So I guess you're going to problem solve right now. I haven't heard that, but I'm going to use that. Uh, I'm stealing that. It's, it's, Initially off of planting a tree, they would always say the best two times to plant a tree are 10 years ago or today. Um, but it's one that you can just very easily take out to literally I, anything else. I like that. Can, yeah. I might use that with like eating a dessert. I might do that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I was, you know, helping people down the slide when I was five. Cheering them <laughs> always the always helper. Always. <laughs> always. This was your destiny. But like that's, that is actually a really good, a good point though, because like, especially when you're looking at somebody who has a bit more anxiety or who's a bit more prone to being sensitive to more like anxiety. I noticed that from, with myself as well. Like for, for a perfect example for me is like when I was going through this, this meat prep, which turned into a shit show, but that's a, we're not, not going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about that. <laughs> but like for, for me, like my example would be like, like the, the correlation that I would feel and like the way that I would notice this was like, going for the difference between my deadlifts and my squats, right? Like I would look at my deadlift and I'd be like, oh, I'm just going to deadlift 750 this week. It's not that big of a deal. But then like I would think about like that week's heavy squat or like that week's squat and I'd be like, I have to work up to some reps at 400. And it's like, oh no, like that's heavy. 
And the difference between the two is like one of them is significantly more like so much. It's like, it's almost a hundred percent heavier than the other one was. And my, but like my anxiety about one of the particular things was so much higher. And I would start noticing that I would have like creeping doubts kind of set in 10 days before any sort of initial event. Right. And that's one of the things that I've noticed with other people who are anxious, who have like anxiety related issues around any sort of performance is that the minute that 1% of doubt starts to set in, it just sets this cascade off that just ruins everything and just makes everything go terribly. Oh, yeah. yeah. And people, I think a huge issue with that, um, and it's something that is comes really naturally to us is that we take that feeling at face value and we very rarely feel it and reflect and analyze on it because that's not natural to us. We kind right. of go, Oh, I feel, I feel this way. Okay. And run with it. You know, I feel stressed. I feel anxious. I feel happy. It's not, why do I feel this way? And because to a lot of people that feels silly, it feels silly to kind of analyze what we're feeling. Um, but you know, feeling that anxiety and going, okay, well, why am I feeling more nervous towards, you know, repping this than um, lifting this heavy weight and kind of creating logic where emotion was really winning the battle between the two. And that's where a lot of issues come from is that without us backing a thought up with our own conscious logic, emotion is often going to win because that's kind of where our subconscious takes us instantly without the logic. Yeah, I even think about, I mean, back when I was, as recent as when I was competing when, in indoor rowing, like I would lose sleep prior to some training sessions. Like I would, like it would keep me up at night for training sessions, not even like a competition, just, yeah. just because I knew how difficult they were going to be. And like, I, I maybe did poorly the, the prior time that I did it or, or whatever. Um, like I would get in my head about it that much about just a session like not even a competition, not a meet, literally rowing in my garage by myself at 5am. Like, and it, it's crazy. Like, I, and I would, I would know it was silly, but I couldn't help it. I would just fixate on it. Yeah. And a lot of that as well comes from the connotations that you're going to have with that training session that to somebody else, it, it, it will mean nothing. But in, in your head, that training session connects to the next training session, which connects to a competition and, or potentially connects to something backwards, like an injury or, mm. or something, you know, along those lines. Um, and I think when we take it at face value, it, it kind of stops us being able to process it and move forward productively. Yeah. I think that's a good segue to injury history for, for sure. sure. Cause that's yeah. a, that's a big one for, I know Matt and I, that's why I hired you for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, that's specifically the reason why I, I decided to work with with uh, with you is because like I I've been dealing with issues related to injury and getting over an injury in in like the specific school and like the squad particularly since 2019 when Kyle hurt me last. Ah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I will never let that one go. It was great. So the the whole the whole thing that happened with that one, it's not actually what happened. It's not seven hundred and fifty pound Matt deadlifting somehow tore his quad goblet squatting twenty kilo. Just I, I just, and it's that's actually fault. correct. Yeah, and it's, it's my so, fault. I just want everybody to know that it's a hundred percent not. But I'm gonna oh. like always bring it up and always blame it. So like this. So back in 2019, right? I tore I tore my hip flexor previously, like or like in early 2019, and then I asked Kyle if he could help me like set up some like like do some like technical adjustments and some warm-up stuffs and then like literally one day into doing it i tore my hip flexor again it was great so <laughs> i will blame kyle with it forever but it's not actually his fault it was definitely other like outside factors that were going into it i was like super highly stressed i was not recovering very well i hadn't slept very well i'd like worked on building my home gym at the time so there's a whole lot of other issues that went into place but i will blame you forever you were also skinny matt at that point. i was also that, skinny i was, was like two i was like 220 i was also that's another good point i was also in like a really deep calorie like, deficit where like i was like completed very hard <laughs> still your fault though okay i'll take, I'll take. <laughs> i'm the it's bully here it's blame, blame someone else yeah i get blamed uh, a lot for matt's stuff it's actually you know but this was what it is to your initial question before i derailed the whole conversation kyle like looking at people with injury histories do you have anything that you do differently that that works that to help people work through things like specific acute movement related injuries or injuries that are not even related to it. Like I have a friend who hurt himself deadlifting and is now scared of squatting. So like what, like when you see somebody who's got things like that, what are some of your things that you do to help people get through and over that and over the fear of potentially reharming themselves? I think the first step is to get a really good comprehensive history of, you know, first of all, the injuries, but also how they're feeling around the injuries now, both physically and mentally approaching it. Um, obviously the, the main process to begin with after that is finding what it's affecting most. And usually it is confidence, you know, sometimes it's focus. Um, you know, it, it, it does stem into a lot of different areas, but I think it, it really differs on the injury on the athlete how it affects them and like you said with your friend who said hurt themselves deadlifting and then you know is is frightened to squat it's it's hard because i like to be as proactive as possible but some things especially regards to injury need a bit more time to talk through thought processes and potentially where fears have grown from mm. um you know i would love as much I would love, you know, as much as I can, as often as I can to kind of have someone come to me and they say, oh, you need to do X, Y, and Z, and we'll, we'll see where we go from there. But a huge part of working with an athlete who has come from an injury, and that is what's affecting their performance, is getting a really good understanding of, you know, where they are now and how that's affecting them. And then moving forwards, kind of with the I guess primarily the confidence there is a re it's a really big cop out of an answer, but it's, you know, it's, it's really hard because it really is so different from athlete to athlete on how it affects them, you know, in what way. And I know that, you know, you're, you're a great example without going into too much detail. Um, oh, you can air my shit. I don't care. 
<laughs> he, he's probably gonna make a tweet about it. I will. Like, <laughs> it's so funny. I don't care. It's it doesn't okay. bother me. <laughs> I'm like treading on eggshells because I'm like, Matt, I want to podcast with no, you, but you're also my client. Don't Matt, go Matt has no secrets. You have you have full permission. Like if if you have full permission to use whatever you want with me, I don't care. It doesn't it does um, not bother me at all. Oh, I'll still keep it light. Um, <laughs> so yes, yeah, so like with your issues that you've had in the past with you know your pec and your relationship with bench is far less affected than your relationship with squat has been affected by other injuries it's knowing that after we've spoken that really you don't care so much about paying attention to how bench is doing because you know that the confidence hasn't really dipped there and mm. it's knowing and like we spoke about earlier because we were on the phone earlier um you know finding ways to stay on top of and stay reflective with everything that's going on with your squats i'm still i'm still trying to be as vague as possible even if i have your permission um so that we kind of have the best plan of attack as tailored to you to you as we can um so it's it's hard to say but with you because of the random nature of the injuries you had in the past is about finding a way to get you confident with the lift rather than with the potential for injuries in the future whereas a lot of athletes want the reassurance that they're not going to get re-injured if that makes sense mm -hmm. whereas because a lot of the apprehension comes from not knowing for you, it, the kind of the first step would be moving more towards getting you comfortable with the lift to then get the reassurance for injury later down the line, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, no, that, that does make <laughs> sense. And one of, the, one of the things that you said earlier was that you feel like this is kind of a cop-out answer, but it's, it's one of those things where it's not. Like you, and, and this is like, it's, it's the social media, it depends. Right, where like everybody now is is just talking about how like the like context and trying to apply as much nuance as we can to things. And the cop-out of it depends or depends on the client is only really a cop-out if there's no further explanation on to why it depends. And like you provided a very good reason as to why it ends up depending on the individual person and why it has to be a more individual response. So like I don't think there's a cop-out answer at all. Um so yeah, I mean it's just and that, I don't know where I was going with that. Yeah, it's all good. no, we, it, it really. <laughs> is. I mean, this is we could have a whole podcast on. I think it depends on that right, phrase, right, yeah. right? Within the the fitness industry alone, let alone psychology, which is probably far more dynamic for a lot of people when we start talking about like individual yeah. of past experience and the emotional connotation tied to those experiences and everything else. But it's like that's part of why social media is so hard is because you have to provide a context with everything that you say or somebody is yeah. going to dispute it right or you know or, yeah or bring up well, an outlier and, and that's hard that makes you, you only get so many characters in a post yeah. you're, gonna get called, you're gonna get called nocebic kyle yeah i know right it's, it's crazy but i have like i have people message me and I, i'm always happy to talk to people on instagram or reply to people but i have people message me with relatively vague questions of oh, how can, I, how can I fix this? And 
it always kind of I, leaves me stumped because I'm, you know, I want to give them a, a helpful piece of information, but it goes back to the, it depends. And it's, yeah. you know, not having that comprehensive knowledge of them, of their lifting and, you know, realistically that, that would take a, a longer time, longer process. And that's essentially why I work with athletes. So I can take them through that, that longer process. And, um, and it, you know, when people do message with really vague questions and their answer is something like, oh, it depends <laughs> or, oh, it's hard to tell it, it as a professional feels like, like you're saying, like a cop out, it feels difficult because you want to be able to give this kind of copy and paste answer, but there aren't, there aren't any really any good ones. Running yeah. Instagram AMAs has convinced me oh, that there the that the the statement there are no stupid questions is complete bullshit yeah. like yeah. i remember i ran an ama and i got a question one time that was literally just this how many sets of squat is good that is a terrible question i yeah. can't tell you well, well, matt somewhere between I, one and a thousand i don't know yeah. like <laughs> matt, matt how many? I, yeah matt and i will both get just like videos like people yeah. will send us videos of a lift and just be like is this uh, good like, is this good? And we're Can like, you and, help me? And you're just like, I don't know anything about you. And and then when you tell people like that you, just, you. you don't know, they'll get upset. It's like, I don't know what percentage max this is. I don't know what your intention with this was. I don't even know what I'm supposed to be looking for. Do you have pain or discomfort? Like, <laughs> what are the goals? Who are you? What's your name? How about <laughs> you? Maybe you could have int- introduced yourself first. Like, it's an, it's crazy, you know, and then when you're like, hey, like, I'd, I'd love to talk with you more about this and actually set up a consultation and get more information. They just ghost you yeah. right away. Yeah. You know? and you're just like, okay, well, whatever, man. Either, you didn't help me. Yeah. Yeah. Either after this, you'll get loads less of those videos or loads more with way more descriptive messages with them. They I just tell me they this. stick in my locked folder and I never, so, actually, so I, I never I, touch them. I, Matt and I both now have multiple calendly links where we can just send out like a consultation link thousand dollars with a paywall yeah. on it to people uh well that that's the fu one i've got a 15 minute calendly link that's two thousand dollars that i'll yeah. send people who are who are being mean to me uh or, or use up too much of my time but i've got real ones too that so has I, anyone ever used one no, of those no. Oh, oh no i i'm waiting for somebody to take it take me up on that though. that's where people <laughs> people probably block me when they yeah. do that but but we do like at this point it's just like it's not even worth having the conversation and dms because you just you don't as you know someone trying to be i'm not gonna say we are professionals but trying to be professional um you just don't have enough information right and it's like we I've had the same thing. We'll all make like a post and, and say something like, Hey, these exercises really helped me with my experience with XYZ. And I'll get like multiple people that are like, Oh, this made mine worse. And I'm like, okay. I, I literally I said it was an anecdotal thing. If it helps you, it helps you. If it doesn't don't do these exercises. Like I don't know what to tell you at that point. Um, happy to run an assessment and a consultation. Nope. See you later. They always get mad at you when that happens too. Like yeah. this made my things worse. I'm like, you're you're five four. I'm six three. Of course, this made you like we're different people. What are you gonna tell? What am I, gonna, I don't know what to tell you. Well, it's like if you put up a what I eat in a day, and yeah. I oh. you know I had exactly the same, and I was like, Matt, I'm gaining weight. 
Yeah. Yeah, Matt, Matt, exactly what you're getting. Matt, Matt's I mean, uh, 6,000 calorie day is probably going to be really useful. Yeah. For I'm 5'3 and 55 kilos. I'm yeah, I'm 6'3, uh, 120 on a, good, on a bad day. Like, I, I, don't even, I don't think you could physically actually eat what Matt eats in a day. Like, I don't think it would be possible without getting sick. I don't know if I could. I was going to say challenge accepted, but I, 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 I honestly... My, my, my pre-workout is 200 grams of carbs. Like it's just that's, my, my pre-workout. My yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's like my pre and then my intra workout car. And like, I, this is maintenance. Like I've, I've not gained or lost a pound since March. My intra workout is 150 grams of carbs. So it's like in that work and then post-workout is another hundred or so. So it's like my whole like pre intra post is more than most people eat in two days in terms of just general carbs. It's like 3000 plus calories worth of only carbs Yeah, within the actual workout three hour period. And my weight has fluctuated between 120 and 121 kilos for the last four months. So like I literally haven't changed at all. I'm full just hearing about it. <laughs> it's it's kind of disgusting. Like I and, eat food and it's nowhere close to that. And like, that's also hard. putting pushing my neat way down. Like I don't even do any of my like outside cardio or anything like that anymore because I'm like, I, I just I literally run out of time to Matt's, eat enough Matt's to maintain body fat. weight. <laughs> yeah, Matt's dogs are getting fat because he doesn't walk them as much. Because I have to try to stay at the same weight. <laughs> That got to you. That got to you, but that's also what we do. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I, I told you we have no agenda working yeah, in this yeah. podcast. We just talk random shit and just yeah. let it go. go. Going back to the, because I, I do think the, the coming off an injury conversation is one that people will find useful. And this is something that I've talked about with uh, a friend of Matt and I's who's a, a physical therapist. He's been on the podcast before, but uh, Dr. Jared Boyd, shout out him. He's one of the smartest people on the internet. But the th what we've talked about in the past too is even just looking at the process of graded exposure having just as much psychological benefit as it does physical and physiological and yeah. just collecting wins and building confidence throughout that period and because it's like you hear it all the time with like or maybe in in basketball my prior sport it's like someone would come back from a knee injury or, or something hypothetically and it's like they didn't trust it through the entire rehab until they actually got on a basketball court and played Right. And maybe with, with uh, strength sports, it's the same thing. Like you don't trust it until you like squat an RPE eight pretty, pretty well. And then you're like, okay, I'm fixed. Yeah. I, I yeah, I'm good. It. It's like, whatever, you know, and I think that that's also huge for just athletes to probably understand that process too, as you're kind of going through it. Yeah. And you know, I absolutely agree. And even then, because especially in strength sports, I think people are so, in tune and aware and this might sound weird but maybe a bit too in tune with their bodies sometimes that mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know if they get um an ache or a pain that it's so much more worrisome where and i i know that in my training i am more like this now when i you know train strength or in the gym or, or whatever than i used to play lacrosse and i you know i there's a period of time I'm not recommending this this was a terrible idea but <laughs> just a disclaimer um but where I would literally get uh, a physio massage before the game, at the halftime, uh, afterwards, three times a week. I'd be on crutches in between games because, uh, again, like I said, I don't recommend it. But, you know, I would get on the match, uh, get on the match, get on the field, and I'd, you know, just play because I wanted to do my best. And again, 
the third time doing the last time. I'm not recommending this. But then now in my training, you know, I, I'm like, oh, my, my hips are a bit tight. Maybe I should, you know, miss squats today. And it's finding a happy medium between those. Maybe, maybe not, I'm not saying don't ignore signs of pain or injury, but knowing when perhaps you're being overly cautious and you need to push through that with the confidence of, you know, your physical health and when to pull back and know that you're on crutches six days a week and maybe not to, to compete. <laughs> it's, it's funny how we see the outliers on both sides. Like you, yeah. you'll, you'll make that, you'll make that exact super neutral statement that you just made and people will come at you simultaneously calling you, you know, weak-minded and a half-assed athlete and also an idiot who pushes through all that. <laughs> yeah, right? like you'll get in the, in the same comment oh, thread, like so people I, will go at you with that. I actually it's had actually that exact amazing. thing happen in my DMs when I tore my pec again on Friday. People were like, you're still going to deadlift? Like, why are you doing this? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And then there's other people that are like, you're not going to just go and like see how the bench goes anyway. I'm like, what the, I can't win. No matter what you do, you can't win. You, you can't, you can't make you can't everybody win. happy on the No. Internet. That's what we've, I don't think I've experienced like what well, nowhere near as much many haters, you know, as as you guys. Well, have. You're I, much nicer than us. Also. I think I'm, I think you guys have a lot more variance. You have more followers. So there's going to be that percentile. I think we also I've, just call people dumb on the internet a lot. So well, people get take any opportunity they can to yell Matt, at us back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't think I have the luxury. I think in my accent, it sounds a lot crueler. Like, either, but again, it, it could be one of those things that were kind of like what we're talking about. It either sounds way crueler or they just are like so enamored by your accent that they're like, <laughs> I, that was, oh, I don't know how to feel about Is that. Is she flirting? Exactly. <laughs> that, sound, that sounded really smart. That was, yeah. <laughs> She's probably right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Doesn't work for us that way at all. They're, they They assume aggression. Matt Matt gets more assumed aggression, I think, than anybody else I've ever. Oh met God! On the internet. <laughs> people will be like, people literally ask me like, "How do you work with him?" And I'm like, "Have you ever spoken to him?" He <laughs> he doesn't finish sentences without laughing. I like, remember I don't understand where you're coming from. <laughs> this is a true story. I remember it's so like about more assumed aggression. I made my last meet. I just posted my recap and I was like, this was a lot of fun. I had a really good time. I'm happy with my performance. And there were like 10 people that posted the next day about how like being strong is pushing more people away than helping people. And it's more harmful to the industry to brag about your strength. And I'm like, I just said I had a good time. Like this was, these were all clearly directed at me because I, I, all of you have blocked me and I, Matt, like everybody Matt just had sent me very, this post. Matt had a very toxic meat recap. It was... I had a great time, guys. I'm really yeah. happy with what I did. <laughs> Unacceptable. Toxic <laughs> AF. I think well, when I when I first because I I met you, Carl, uh, verbally before I met Matt. Um, yeah, and, I know showed your call that one day. Yeah, thank, thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Invited me, then didn't show up. You know? yep. I wasn't That's gonna, what I do. I wasn't going to bring that up. But. That's what I do best. Yeah. Sorry, right. it's, it's it's all up there in my head. I'm I'm waiting for the right moment. <laughs> um not professionally though i'll, I'll keep it i'll keep it it'll be, it'll, be, <laughs> it'll be personal attacks not i was gonna say attacks. now I, like I'm, I'm paying you to help make me better it's gonna, <laughs> like, 
I'm gonna be like, my my knees kind of hurt today. Like, go for it, max out. You got this. We got this. (laughs) No, I um, but I I said to when I finally did, you know, hear Matt's voice, I I said like, you've got the voice that I would expect from like a game show host or or something like a a voiceover. Um, I think it it can be quite commanding if and if you're not on the positive end of it or you don't understand what he's saying then maybe it's it's a bit more alarming this is why we let matt do the intros on the podcast too mm-hmm. but also why his dogs listen to him mm-hmm. it's, it's the it's the command voice i like that if we're going to use that that's going to be a that's some matt also does like all of our youtube youtube con- content because i sound terrible as i'm stumbling stumbling all over my words <laughs> that sounds terrible on on any record. I have never heard you struggle so much to get a single sentence out. Kyle. That was really bad. That was that? really bad. <laughs> this is that's performance anxiety, right? This is what we're talking. Fix me, Amelia. <laughs> we're right here. You got this, Kyle. You can do that sentence. That's Amelia, cool. if you if you've learned anything from this podcast, it's that you should put a thousand dollar pay link in for those people, is- and you could just send Kyle one right now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, $2,000. My, my DMs. I'm like, oh, Here you man. go, $1,000. Like, oh, you know when it has his name on it. I know. It's $2,000, Kyle Dobbs. Kyle Dobbs console. I got the FU console link. <laughs> oh, man. I didn't even know show or call like that did. <laughs> so. Yeah, not cool, Matt. <laughs> I live my life the way that I'm going to live my life. Nobody can stop me. <laughs> Matt lives on YOLO time, and that's just the way it is. Um, no, I think – so when you're – I think just from a logistics perspective, like what's your process with athletes? Obviously, you're working with Matt now, so I could ask him off call, but I think it's interesting for other people. I but, actually can't tell you yet because we've now had – we just had our setup call this morning. So gotcha, I have no gotcha. idea. Perfect. So you're going to get a prelude, which is great. Yes. Um, Taking notes. <laughs> you're gonna get, you're gonna I'm going to record this entire thing. <laughs> and then quit. Exactly. So I can do it on my own now. I'm good. What, what's the process <laughs> um, look like, though, as far as, like, how, how often – is it very – is, again, is it independent per, per athlete, or does that process kind of stay pretty, pretty standard? I like – I like to say it's a sliding scale of communication. Um, I don't want to push somebody to communicate any more or less than they are comfortable doing so. So what I say is we'll have a call approximately every three or so weeks. Um, This is following kind of an application and an onboarding call and a setup. And uh, in between that, I have kind of online check-ins and they have the ability to you know communicate with me by email by whatsapp um and what i say is um communicate with me as much or as little as you want to i always say that the more communication we have it's going to be more helpful um and you know help the process but you know i have people who prefer to just have that call with me uh, and check in every three weeks i have people who are the end, other end of the spectrum, who, you know, do a check-in form once a week, who have the call every three weeks, who message me, you know, every day or every other day about how the training's going um, and everything like that. And, you know, it, as long as an athlete is um, involved and they are putting effort in, 
I don't mind so much which side they are. It's when athletes kind of drop off and don't communicate and then kind of we can't make progress or we then catch up and they've got nothing to kind of to say that it, it comes to a bit of a standstill. But generally, you know, it is a sliding scale based on the athlete's needs, um, you know, depends on. Yeah. I mean, that's... <laughs> Sounds very familiar to our check-ins with our clients mm -hmm. <laughs> on the training side of things as well. Um, we have yeah, that's <laughs> sorry. Um, that's that's what I was like trying to aim at a lot of the time. Is that I know that when I was starting up or as I've been adapting it, a lot of athletes are working with online coaches now, and I wanted to make it as familiar to them as possible so that the process didn't seem as alien and they could fall more naturally and more comfortable into it than if it was this mega formal we speak on this date and this date um kind of process um so i wanted to actually make it as similar to something they would be used to as i could while keeping it in my kind of area of expertise i like it are, are most of your people referrals from coaches or other athletes or other past clients, or do people kind of seek you out independently? What's, what's that look like? Um, so it's a bit of both really. I've got, I've worked with a few, like a handful of coaches who then pass athletes on to me mm -hmm. while working with me. Um, I have met individuals at, competitions like worlds and less international ones you know that are in England and um, Britain and they've approached me there and we've spoken or we've met there and they approached me later um, I've got quite a, a fair amount of people come through my Instagram uh, and apply that way so it's been a really nice mix of people I've met and then applied um, referrals and then people who are just willing to commit to the process and, mm -hmm. you know, and put their trust in me, which is something I really appreciate and helps a lot. I feel like this is, this is also one of those fields that is, has been needed in individual sports for a long time. And has been one of those things where the, the majority of the conversation around performance anxiety or anything like this, when you're looking at any individual sport or any individual athlete was just, don't be soft and just be better. Try harder. Have you tried not being a baby? Have you tried trying harder? It's like now, which is cool. I think it's become, I think it's cool that those kind of responses have become a bit more of a meme, even though some of them, sometimes they are very like highly accurate depending on the individual person. But I do think it is really cool to see that like at the, at the top level or even at the mid level or at the local level, that this is starting to become more of a focus and that people are starting to realize that there is a lot to be gained. There's probably more to be gained than the, from the mental side of things, from the confidence aspect than there is from the physical side, depending on the athlete. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I think has been really nice to see as well, that I have had the chance to work with people who are kind of at the top of the, or top of the sport, now uh, in the top percentile competing at Worlds, um, and you know in that kind of arena and then people who are competing like you said at, at local meets mm -hmm. and 
to me, you know, it sounds cheesy, but both athletes are as important. And it's absolutely in it's nice. It's, it's really nice to see that people don't feel like they need to be the best in the world, start treating themselves like an athlete. Yeah. Um, and that kind of description of an athlete has widened from, you know, the people who are at the Olympics and the best of the best to somebody who is committed and puts effort into, uh, you know, who just tries in their training. Who cares? Yeah. yeah. I think that's one of the, one of the things that social media has been very beneficial for. Yeah. There's one of the, there's one of those things where it's like, it's, it's always a double-edged sword, but I think one of the good things about social media is that it's gotten people to start taking the pursuits that they're doing a little bit more seriously, and they're going to start treating themselves more seriously for it. It always also leads to a lot of like the really cringe people who like, like you should try harder at some of the other things involved with being an athlete too, like your training, but like it is end up, it does end up being a better, I think like a net positive because more people are starting to, focus on the other things that matter yeah absolutely and i think you know it's it's for people i mean i i I think it's for everyone but the people that i've seen come through and be successful the people that want to cover all bases of themselves an athlete you know they work with physios they work with nutritionists they work Mm -hmm. with coaches and you know maybe they'll prioritize different professionals at different times based on their needs but seeing it become more of a holistic process in general by the introduction of sports psychology into more individual sports is amazing to see because you know it it's still I mean it still really isn't that common um I don't have a handful of people I could refer out to because it it is really still quite niche um Mm. And, you know, it's a kind of a double-edged sword there because it's fantastic. I want to help as many athletes as I can, but, you know, I can't help all the athletes in the world. And I would love to have people, other professionals I could refer out to or even just, you know, have like bounce ideas off of. And, you know, I have friends um, who have masters and PhDs in sports psychology. um, But I think until you kind of get the lay of the land in there, the specific area that you're in it's it's really hard to gauge that but it is really fantastic to see how much this world has opened up in the last few years yeah i think it's kind of mirrored just probably psychology in general where that's become such a just more openly talked about and, and obviously kind of less taboo thing um for everybody i mean that's like the the amount of just normal friends right that I, I interact with on a daily basis that like see a, see a psychologist like once or twice a month right just to sit down and talk and talk to somebody who's non-biased is is I mean much higher it's probably about 50 percent of the people that I interact with at this point so maybe my maybe that says something about my social circle but we'll see um, <laughs> as far as the like collaborating with other coaches is that something that um like what's your experience been with that as far as like working with coaches, nutrition, like you, your communication with them as like a team, have you had negative experiences with that? Um, I don't think I've had negative experiences. I think there have been experiences that I've had with an athlete 
where it's been difficult because from my side of things on kind of psychology and well-being and, and that area I've seen that the relationship between the coach and the athlete either isn't healthy or isn't you know positive net positive and um that kind of puts me in a tricky situation um because my my main interest is the athlete and their well-being and how they perform um but it's also you know not my place to say hey do you want to fire your coach <laughs> but it's kind of making sure that you know the communication is could maybe be built better there between them um but in terms of direct interactions with coaches um usually they're pretty positive they only i only kind of have that triad of communication when necessary um so i i kind of leave that until later and if it's something that i feel like needs to happen or we'll jump on a call or if the athlete's happy with me too then i'll just directly speak to the coach or mm. you know however that might work out but um usually it's happened that a coach i work with as one of my athletes has referred an athlete to me and then i've already got this communication channel up with both of them that makes it super easy yeah. um the only weird one that i had was um somebody applied and booked an onboarding call and was like um hey does my coach need to fill out an application form two i've sent them the link to the call and i was like hey uh the, the onboarding call isn't for your coach <laughs> i was like i just need to speak to you um please like because you know i I really just want to see uh, the athlete with no other, you know, influences. And I, right. I want to be able to speak to them and get to know them. And without, I, I don't know what the coach is like. I'm sure they're lovely, but without a coach looming over because. But you I still have the, it's, it's, the, it's the Hawthorne effect. Like you still get the fact that they're sitting there observed and they're not going to report probably all of their exact behaviors right. because they're being observed by the person that they're paying to coach them and make them better. So they're probably not going to sit there and give you the best answers that they can because they're being yeah. watched. So I'm sitting in the background, like, will you, would you just say about that? Would you say about that program? Like <laughs> yeah. Or all the alternative, you know, that classic, Oh, so how are you getting on with this? Oh, yeah, they're actually uh, doing really well. And I was like, oh, I was actually speaking to the person that wants to hire me. <laughs> you know? it's, it's not couples therapy. That's not what you're doing yeah. with people. And that's like, that's, I think that's like a really weird intro. And once I said that, like, I felt really awkward because it's never happened to me before. And I was like, hey, I'm really sorry, there's, it's not a call for the three of us. So I was like, if down the line, I feel like that's necessary necessary i can't speak now necessary <laughs> um then we will but and then they were like oh okay yeah that's fine um which i was it was kind of like a, a huge few moment because if they rebuttaled i would i would just have no idea what to say i, I wouldn't want to have this email chain of arguments trying to explain why i didn't want my coach there yeah yeah, it's the whole, it sounds like you're looking for a service that I don't provide response. May <laughs> yeah. I, re, may I uh, refer you to a colleague of mine? Um, yeah, I mean, like, that's, that's one of those things where, like, as a, as a coach who has athletes who work with different people in nutrition, or I don't have anybody who's working with you yet. I probably will at some point if I have people who need it. Um, but my answer to them is, is always to just, like, keep me posted on it 
afterwards. I'm never, I never want to sit there and be like, tell me, like, let me, let me in on this session. I want to know exactly what this person's doing. Like that. Yeah. Those people need to be a little bit more hands off probably. Yeah. And that's because one of the things that sometimes comes up is how, you know, how's the communication with your coach and how, how's everything like that? Because it, it does, it does have an effect on an athlete a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, not all the time, but you know, I've seen it a lot that the last thing I want is my, like, or anyone's first idea or image of somebody that you need really a blank canvas of to be, I guess, the projected image of the coach. Yeah, it's, it is strange because we've had, I've had even on our side, like so many positive experiences, but then just really negative ones, right? And, and whether it was a, a physical therapist or whether it was nutritionist or whatever, like, like I've had some nutritionists, for instance, that weren't used to working with really active people or people who were trying to create a deficit for, for a weight loss or something of that nature. Um, that like, when I looked at like the calorie, like, I'm like, yeah, the 1200 calories probably isn't a good thing for you with the amount of activity you're doing. You know, I'd speak to them and be like, oh, well, this is like FDA guidelines. I'm like, well, FDA guidelines is for a, a sedentary population. Like that's yeah. not, this person trains three days a week. And FDA guidelines I, are putting 80 grams of protein a day, bro. Like, <laughs> yeah, like this, this is not gonna, not gonna work. That's not what we're looking for. Yeah. So I, I can only imagine if it's, yeah, coming from the, the psychology world, that it could be even, I don't know, more frustrating uh, from that perspective. So I, I actually just wanted to, to fact check myself on that one, Kyle. The FDA recommends that adults consume 50 grams of protein a day. 50? 50. 50. <laughs> Matt, 50. Matt hits that. I'm nailing it. I have it close to six times the RDA. <laughs> you're, you're actually unhealthy. That's what that means. <laughs> um yeah but Kyle you injured him with a goblet squat so I, I did I like, all all that protein <laughs> all, all, that protein. all that recovery and we we still got hurt with the goblet squat somehow so um, <laughs> that either makes but, me like the most hardcore coach ever or <laughs> Matt is made of glass and I can't do anything about it I am made of glass um but with what we were saying you know it's <laughs> um if it does come to something like like you're speaking about with that nutritionist if it feels like it's out of my scope if someone comes to me and says oh hey you know i've got um let's say this eating disorder and that this is affecting me in this way and my training in this way then i know that that is my place to say hey that's you know that's out of my scope um i can help you like i can flag some websites or some other people who might be helpful which again is still hard because there aren't that many other people in this niche um and i don't that like with that example i don't specialize um or i'm not qualified in you know some things like eating disorders or someone comes to me with something that really heavily leans into therapy or mental health then i have to you know say hey this is kind of out of my scope um you know you might are you sure like i'm the professional that you're looking for and you know really making sure that i'm not overstepping rather than saying hey it's the fda approved guidelines 
and just getting them inside that template. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is a, something I learned is, is uh, like people will respond, like message me all the time and be like, well, you're, you've got a, a psychology degree. And I'm like, it's, it's industrial organizational psychology. Like this is, I'm not a behavioral psychologist. This is, <laughs> this not, is very different. <laughs> this is not, this is like, this is not what I do. I'm not that person yeah. at that point. Uh, yeah. The, the, the interscope scopes are a, are a whole nother layer that I think a lot of people don't realize and they just see psychology and they kind of have a picture of what that is supposed to be based on their uh, usually yeah. TV I, watching probably more than anything else. And, <laughs> yeah. and I see it sometimes more rarely now, but in some kind of do it all online coaches who kind of say that, Oh, I'm a nutritionist. I'm a physio. I'll do your psych. I'll do your coaching. And yeah. it's, it's okay to not be good at everything and not offer everything because someone's not gonna like my athletes aren't gonna leave me because I can't or because I don't program for them or I don't give them any physio advice they are with me for that specific reason um you know if you're tempted to give advice outside your threshold to any online coaches listening um you know don't refer out ask some questions because that's something I've seen in the past and has definitely cause some friction within like all those different industries oh we we literally had on this a guest <laughs> on this podcast who is a fairly competitive lifter um whose coach she was having performance anxiety and her coach literally just told her to drink a glass of wine before she trained and i was yeah. like oh sick we're gonna we're gonna like just merge into substance abuse uh, as a as an, go to some uh, alcoholism as an anxiety to yeah yeah I, I mean I've had I've had an athlete actually worryingly recently say to me oh maybe I should just you know smoke up before I uh, <laughs> I train and I was like please tell me I'm you're just, joking I, like, I don't know I don't know if you're joking but you know it's my professional you know right right now to say first of all I'm not recommending that. Second of all, if you do end up doing that against my advice, please don't tell anybody that I did recommend. Yeah, that. I, I <laughs> am not. I'm not liable for. I am you. not, I like, not I'm liable for this. Like what, fully what, hands off. Yeah, what you do on your own time uh, is whatever. Yeah. But that that's not my professional advice for yeah. you as a uh, strategy uh, for for your stress. I like that term worryingly recently. By the way, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> I just yeah, it was. It, was it wasn't me, something. everybody. Yeah, it, I, know, was, I was like, it wasn't, I was like, like, like two hours ago. Like the, is this yeah. where we were? Well, yeah. That's why I want to bring that up is because we had a call two hours ago. That was not me. And weirdly <laughs> enough, one of them, like, he's on this call. It's the yeah. strangest thing. <laughs> it so wasn't I, that, everybody. I think that does bring us up to our, our question, though, about like what about things that you, yeah. because we're kind of, we're kind of starting to skirt the subject of the things that you dislike the most in, in the industry. Right. And like, this can be, you can take this from any, anywhere that yeah. you want to go of like your specific, because you also train, you also lift, you're also in fitness, but also having that psychology background as well, or that psychology main focus. There's a lot of ways that you can go with this. Yeah. So what are the things that you see that you just dislike the most that just really get you angry and like really grind your gears about training or anything there's one but it's not relevant um <laughs> it, it can be it can totally be relevant go for it 
I'll, I'll go with I'll go with my uh, proper answer, and then I'll then I'll say the less relevant one. Yeah, go but for it. I think seeing. Um, I'm not going to put an adjective in front of it, but seeing coaches or professionals who, you know, in their posts or in their interactions have, you know, don't have, and I think this goes back to what I was just saying anyway, any real solid information and kind of just throwing advice based on their own opinions out Mm -hmm. um, or if it's their own opinions, kind of taking it as, oh, this is, you know, this is the right thing to do um, and outside of their scope. And I've seen it before where either people kind of take that advice and it damages them in some way and then they learn and that's now a new problem they have to fix or, you know, well, or they they don't take the advice and that's great. But I just, just people who are really trying to, feel that kind of I can do it all like I was saying before area of of the industry and I'm sure there are some people who can do a lot but if you're kind of okay at five things I'm sure you're not very good at one thing I know that I would rather you know work with or be associated with professionals who are very good at what they want they do and know where their remit ends um and then people who kind of say say that they can do it all and step on step on the toes of other people the way that coaches can really have a negative effect not just coaches you know bad nutritionists bad physios bad psychs can have really a bad effect on an athlete's long-term progression um based on a comment uh, a block uh, an exercise you know whatever it might be and being careless with athletes I suppose to too long didn't read to summarize it you know people being careless with their athletes uh, like they don't they're disposable I suppose I think that so I think that for, for me I think that ends up being an interesting sentence because for us and for people who are very aware of our scope of practice that seems careless but i don't think it is a careless thing for that person to try to do i think it's irresponsible it's irresponsible yeah i don't think that coach is being careless at all because i think they're trying to i think they care a lot and that's why they're trying to do all of these things and again this is coming from somebody who i personally agree completely and i hate those people and i loudly trash them on the internet i talk shit about them frequently he hates them i hate them but like i also don't think that it ends up being something that they're being careless of because it's it's a weird it's a weird thing because if if they are being careless are they just a like an unethical shit bag or are they actually trying to do the best that they can for the people that they're they're working with and just having their their efforts be completely misguided and in apply and like misapplied yeah that's what i think annoys me about it is that right. with most situations there's going to be a, a good and a bad outcome and really here it's you know they're trying to do good but no they probably shouldn't and are causing harm yeah or they know they shouldn't be and they still are and you know they're just trash people for doing that so you know yes there's a better side of it where 
you meant well but even if you mean well like i could mean well and not be able to go and, and walk into a hospital and try and you know yeah be a doctor yeah it's yeah. fine guys i meant well i didn't i didn't mean to cause harm but right okay you don't you don't have you're not you're not a doctor why would you even be here <laughs> yeah. good intentions can have terrible outcomes like we see uh, that we see that all the time in, in a lot of different realms and i think that is and i agree with you completely because i've i've spoken with people on both of those sides mm-hmm. where somebody is just kind of ignorant to their scope or or whatever and they're trying to do their best they're just they're above their heads basically right yeah. and then, and then yeah. I've, I've spoken to a lot of people they're just like they they know very well where their scope ends and they just do it anyway because yeah. whether it's yeah. an ego whether it's an ego thing or it's a fear like you were talking it might be a fear based thing where they're scared of losing a client or looking inept because yeah. they, they can't do everything for everyone um, you, you see it both ways and yeah I have a lot more patience with one of those you know sides yeah, of the too. coin for sure yeah, yeah. Uh, it doesn't make it right but I but no. yeah there's there's definitely two sides, I think. Exactly. And that's, that's kind of what I'm, what I'm saying is like, I, is like, I still, even the people that are on that spectrum where they're trying to do it from a good place, I still don't like it. And I still will like, yeah. but the conversation that I have with that person is going to be very different very than different. the person who's on the other end of the spectrum where it's like, Hey, look, I think this is just stepping a little bit out of your bounds. Like we should probably look at changing your message a little bit versus like, Oh, you're just a scumbag. Yeah. I know. I, I used to be an English teacher at a school and this is kind of where I learned, it's a weird place to learn it, this is where I learned this skill where um, if I don't know something, it's okay to kind of put my hand up and go, that's a good question, I'm going to look into that and yeah. you know maybe find an answer for you. It's no one expects every like anyone to know everything and I think like you, you were saying Kyle, it's it's really easy to kind of get that fear of, oh, they're going to think I don't know anything or they're going to think I'm stupid and just give them an answer because they trust that on face value, you're giving them the right answer. And that's kind of a misuse of trust. Uh, Even if it's come from like a place of fear, it's just, it's okay to say, oh, I actually don't know that, but it's a good question. I can look into it or, oh, I don't know that, but maybe this person I can refer you to to ask that question might, you know? What do you think that comes from with the the people that are unwilling to make that distinction and be and, and unwilling to seem like they don't know? I think, I, and I'm not going to say you know say this for certain because I don't know for certain. But in my eyes, it seems like it, it could potentially come from a place that may stem from potential imposter syndrome um or an insecurity around that which is all all too real in people who are self-employed or coaches or you know online professionals where they found success and every so often it's overwhelming and they they believe that you know it all happened by accident and then when somebody asks a question that they don't know it, it can feel like oh i've been caught out when, you know, it's not the case at all. You, they've got to the place they are because they are successful and they've worked for it. And the truth of the matter is they just didn't know an, a, uh, an answer to a question. And yeah. I think that fear comes from, you know, feeling like they've been caught out and it's confirmed their fear of, okay, maybe I am just an imposter, um, which 
kind of makes it come full circle in that regard, which it, it might not be, but in my eyes, I think that could very heavily influence someone reacting in that way. Yeah. I like it. So now, what's your irreverent thing? Yeah, that yeah, yeah. so that that was the good one. Let, let's talk yeah. about the let, let's talk about the irrelevant one. I <laughs> I don't like uh, when I'm out at a meet and I see um, a handler unwarrant unwarrantedly like touching an athlete. I don't like it when they're like. I don't like when an, a handler is physical with an athlete for no reason or without permission, if that makes sense. Like it makes me very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the time, you know, maybe it's something they are asked for before they stepped into the holding area, but, but you know, sometimes, you know, it's not. And that just kind of gives me the big old ick where I'm you know, like, that's why I was like, it's not relevant <laughs> because I just, yeah. It's, it is relevant, relevant though. Like, it is relevant. I mean, it's it's. That's you, my job. Yeah. Right, particularly because this is your like you're you're exposed to that oh, significantly it, more. It might negatively impact somebody's performance. Though. Right. Right. I mean, there there is there is an aspect where that could most definitely throw somebody off and make them feel extremely Absolutely. uncomfortable. Yeah. Prior prior to stepping on a platform with a lot of weight on their back or over their chest. Right. Absolutely. I've actually, from that, just thought of one that is way more relevant, um, which is um, people who, I'm not going to keep listing it because I'm going to look so negative, but people who aren't aware of what they're saying around an athlete who's trying to get into the zone. Um, Mm -hmm. So are they like talking to another coach? Are they need to get this if they want to win or if they don't get this and they have no chance of, that or whatever the sentence might be but not knowing the state that the athlete's in and how it's affecting them or you know speaking about them while they're trying to get in the zone is is really hard for obviously many reasons one of them being a subconscious phenomena which is what's it called the cocktail party phenomena which is even if you're zoned into another conversation or zoned out um you know and you hear your name or something about you your brain will instantly switch onto it and kind of refocus your hearing into it which is why it's called the cocktail party mm-hmm. phenomenon like if you're at a cocktail party and someone's like oh and kyle said this and you're kind of head turns you're like someone said my name um so i think being not even unaware but you know not having yeah being unaware of kind of what you're saying around an athlete and how it might affect them in the the minutes to follow yeah i like that one yeah Yeah, i think that's a good one i think that's a very good one because that your stuff wasn't even negative yeah like that compared to compared to a lot of the and compared to matt and i's own uh front porch rants um that wasn't negative at all so i mean i'm not gonna say i'm disappointed but <laughs> it does match with you being British, though. It could have been way rantier. That was uh, the rudest thing I've ever said. <laughs> if, we're, if, we're going to, if we're going to give it a grade, it was uh, it's kind of a kind of a C C plus effort on uh, being ranty. But that's on okay. rudeness. Yeah, that's, yeah that's, we actually a- literally just had a podcast with somebody that we're titling "I Hate Everything" because it was just such a rant on everything she hated that we're we actually turned our last question into like, 
so what do you like? What do you, what do you like? <laughs> it was great. It was super fun. Yeah. But like, what do you like about things? <laughs> Anything? <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I'm glad it wasn't too negative. Or no. uh, I'm not, and I'm sorry. It should well, be the second one. We'll let you know how the views. How yeah. The yeah. <laughs> exactly. We'll, we'll, it, it'll be, that'll be determined in a few weeks. <laughs> Maybe I'll get my first hate there, you know? Maybe, you're yeah. not mean enough <laughs> the first hater <laughs> awesome. i was gonna go the other way like that was horrible but it probably be more more along probably. the lines of you're weak and you're not you're not mean enough yeah you're you're just too nice you're too nice to be be in the i mean i'm sports. not canadian but yes it's i i feel like english might be like a, a strong second to canadians some of them are tied man yeah. We've got, we've got, uh, we've. I think we've got more sarcasm, which kind of puts us more on like in between Canada, Canada and Australia on the uh, on that yeah. scale. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. I'm good with that. Um, <laughs> that works. So we are coming up on uh, well, almost an hour and fifteen. This is a good one. This went fast. Yeah. Um, where can everybody find you? We've already shouted out the Instagram page, but. Where can people contact you if you want to be contacted and all that good stuff? Yeah, I think, you know, my Instagram is probably the best place for it. Um, I'm working on getting a website up and running, but it's, it's not there yet. So the link would be useless. Um, so the Instagram at POTS Thinks would uh, be the best place. Just drop me a message. There's a link tree in there if you're interested in inquiring or um anything along those lines i do also have a 15 minute slot which will cost you two thousand dollars so yes mm, perfect <laughs> that one that, that option is also open i'll send that to the special ones that is the special one for sure that's the vip link is what that is that's my first hater we're gonna call it the <laughs> kyle dobbs special yeah if anybody took anything away from this i hope that is not it but we're gonna <laughs> just... well i'm taking away from it <laughs> Well, thank you so much. We enjoyed having you on. Um, always a pleasure. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you for tuning in to Compound Performance Radio. If you liked this episode, please be sure to like, share, subscribe, and drop us a review. We'll see you next time.